Splash 322 for throwing fire. We're keeping it there's no doubt that the game has changed and we are changing with it welcome to season two because in this season it is all about how we become and stay operational how we're ready for every moment of our life on and off the job i'm your host jeff fanman Thanks for joining me, and let's get down to it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Brute Force Training. Head over and check out the guys at BruteForceTraining.com, the sandbags, the gear, the equipment, the things that they offer, and of course, make sure you download the Brute Force app because it has got some unbelievable programming in there absolutely for free. And listen, when you pick up your next sandbag or your next shirt or your next pack, or whatever it is you're going to buy from these guys, use my discount code. That's op mindset, OP mindset, and they'll take a little bit off the top for you. Get in, get in action, get your sandbag, get your butt in the game, start working out, let that thing beat the crap out of you. Thanks for sponsoring us, guys. That's bruteforcetraining.com, bruteforcetraining.com. Now, on to today's episode. All right, Andy. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know that we've been fighting some technical issues back and forth over a couple of weeks trying to get this thing together. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, everything's clear and this conversation gets heard loud and clear today because I think it's important. So thanks for joining me. Thank you. Definitely, Jeff. It's uh, worth it to be here for sure. Yeah, no, I think you've got a lot to contribute. And, you know, it's interesting because when I look at your background, the conversations that you and I have had, the things that you've, you know, come up against in your own life and then being married to a police officer and understanding kind of the toll that that the world of being a first responder takes on us and the subtleties of things. That's why I wanted to get into it. That's why I titled the show kind of beneath the surface of elite of elite, right? What does it look like to stay operational? I think there's some really important aspects that we can talk about today there. Um, you know, and you share your lessons and, and what you've learned and what you see actually contributes back to those of us that, you know, in the listening community that chooses to put themselves at risk and take on these crazy jobs and work shift work and, uh, be exposed to things. And I know there's acute issues that come up. There's chronic issues that come up. There's impact that we got to deal with. And, you know, I just really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. This is, uh, going to be a great talk. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, so let's talk, let's kind of start with kind of your own journey into understanding, you know, exposure to chronic stress, maybe your own condition, you know, and the research you had to, you had to do there to understand how to keep yourself uh, physically, mentally, emotionally capable. Um, and, you know, you've got a family, you're a mom, you run a business, there's a lot of things going on. So we can start there and then kind of bleed into and start looking at, you know, the community and what you've been creating uh, to really keep people, you know, in a, in a capacity ready for anything that life challenges. Yeah. So um, as I run at a higher stressed state, it's a genetic condition that I have where there's two different variants that make me have extra stress hormones in my body at all times. And I was in 
full burnout. I've had two huge burnout crashes 20 years apart. And in between those 20 years, I survived, which is very similar to where a lot of officers are living, where you get to this point where you're absolutely exhausted and you have this, um, quite often this brain fog where when you're in the middle of a crisis, when you're dealing with something, you're on, you're firing. But afterwards, yeah, when you're doing your report or you're at home trying to make a sandwich or play a game or read a book to your child and your brain is using so much energy just to do those little daily tasks and you start getting a little bit short fused and easily frustrated. (laughs) It's so true, right? I know nothing about that. Nothing, nothing about that whatsoever. No. And we named my short fuse Medusa because it's true. Like it's, it's like a totally other person that all of a sudden just comes out and Now I know that it wasn't my fault, but back then my husband and I just, there were days where he would walk in the room and know that he needed to just stay clear of me on those days. Um, I couldn't keep it under check with the kids. I would just get frustrated and short for them asking questions, which kids do. Yeah. Um, It was such a struggle to just be the mom I wanted to be, be the wife that I wanted to be and get through things. And then my second child was also born with my genetics and he had some different symptoms. Um, His was, his skin was really inflamed. So, Mm. you know, there will, there are a lot of officers I speak to as well that have skin issues, eczema, constant cold and flus, allergies. Um, Then he has the rage as well, that just instant screaming and, and just upset or being very, very sad. Hmm. So it was, I will honestly say that it was a lot more through his symptoms that got me to, you know, your mama bear kicks in when it's your child. Sure. And so I, I started really researching it and I, I realized I'm like that what it was, I found people that could help us. Um, I'd been to doctors and specialists and he had as well. We'd been offered prescriptions and all kinds of things and nothing helped. Mm -hmm. And nobody truly understood what was happening to us. So once I figured out that it was our stress management system that was overtaxed, and then I realized after doing a lot of research that it's um, this proactive approach to strengthening your stress management system instead of waiting until You had a full-on crash of which I was close to that lower functioning of your stress management system where you end up in the hospital where your organs are shutting down. I was so close to that, but I wasn't there yet. So my doctor couldn't help me yet because they were dealing more with the crisis and I needed preventative at that point. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, because I, you know, I'll speak to that. Yeah. We named my my flip side Richard because when... You know, I was, I was a dick when, when that would trigger. Right. And, you know, it's interesting that you just even brought up the simple thing of like questions, you know, I mean, and I still deal with that today, like overwhelmingness. Sometimes you would think just, you know, my wife or someone asking me a simple question, 
being in a heightened response state, so much going on kind of in that fatigue spot, that question, you might as well ask me to go climb Mount Everest to ask that, to answer that question, right? Just the energy consumption it takes. And so it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, because that's, it is, I mean, it is what we see, you know, without the genetic condition, it's what we see from this chronic exposure to a higher stress environment to kind of always being on or always being in the ready position or always being kind of on the brink of something begins to fatigue the system in a way that, you know, we're not even always aware of at times. And yeah, it comes out as frustration, irritation, shortness, you know, all that stuff, you know, can, can show up that way. I, it's crazy to me that, 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 that you've had to, you know, face those challenges without even, you know, being in this side of life. Yeah. And I, I think about that sometimes and I get frustrated, but then I'm like, you know what, if I hadn't, then I wouldn't be where I am right now. And I wouldn't be able to really understand what these first responders are feeling and going through. And I wouldn't be able to help them right now. So I think everything happens for a reason. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I, and that's why I wanted to, I wanted to start there because I want somebody to under, I want, I want the listening audience to understand like, this is, this is a natural state for you. And you've become very attuned to not only in in yourself, but in your son, right? What the, what it looks like, right? How to identify fatigue, you know, because we think, well, I'm just tired. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. Or I'm just frustrated. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. Or I'm, you know, short, you know, or you're, you know, if you're, somebody's always saying, you know, I was always told forever I was angry and then I would get angry that people calling me angry. I'm like, I'm not angry, <laughs> you know? Uh, yep. Yeah. And so, but there's, there are underlying factors physically, mentally, emotionally, physiologically, chemically, you know, the you know, system wise or central nervous system. Those are things that are going on that then are having an impact and showing up as kind of something else out here. And so that's why I really, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate what you've learned and what you've done. And then as we go through today's conversation, kind of what your, what you've learned about how to, and I like this idea, being in a preventative state, right? Getting ahead of the issues before crash, before burnout, before absolute fatigue sets in, before all these things that, you know, are, are going to come and will come, uh, you know, show up. Yeah. I find, um, I have a group with first responders and I ask a lot of questions and I was very surprised when I asked the question about when did your sleep start becoming a struggle, the tired and wired when you're going to sleep or waking mid sleep. Mm -hmm. And the majority said one to three years into the job. Yeah. And many in my group are 15, 20 years into their career. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, and it creates what I've learned from myself is it kind of has created this, this kind of persistent level of anxiety, right? That somebody asked me one day what I, you know, rate my anxiety level one to 10 waking up in the morning. And, and I had to give an honest look at that and be like, wow, it's probably 
seven, eight, nine, or ten some days. Just you know, not interacting with anybody, not nothing going on, just opening my eyes, already kind of at that heightened state of anxiety. And then they asked me how long it had been like that. And the answer was for as long as I could remember. Uh, and yeah, I mean it's it's exhausting, you know. It is. Yeah. Yes. In a lot of ways. And I mean that like in the full content of context of exhausting, like just always feeling like, you know, I always felt like I was up against it, whatever it was at the time and never really had a, had the ability or the bandwidth to breathe or, you know, deal with stuff. I mean, and those are, I think those, those are the chronic issues we see, right? That, that kind of persistent fatigue set in. Uh, Absolutely. And as you know, the the studies that are done on um, not people who do not get enough sleep is the it's like having a blood alcohol content that where you should not be driving or should not be doing activities of daily living. You know, the 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 it inhibits so much of what you are capable of doing in your day. And the amount of sleep apnea um, first responders, like with sleep apnea, yeah. has it's blown me away as well. That was a surprise for me. I knew that there was the tired and wired and the waking mid-sleep. But the more I got into it, the more of them that have a sleep apnea um, diagnosis. And when you are sleeping, that is when your stress, or your, your hormones all do a lot of their realigning of themselves and getting themselves sorted. And our stress management manages 50 different hormone responses. So you're sleeping, you're waking, your energy, your um, cognitive thinking, your moods, digestive system, inflammation system, um, fighting of disease, all of these things are managed by your stress management system. And if you're not getting into a good sleep, then those can't repair, realign themselves and do what they need to be doing. Yeah. And I think that's where we see this transition from. So let's talk real quick. Like, so let's gain some awareness on this, right? Because I always believe that we get a chance to kind of get a view of something that may be happening that we're not even fully aware of at times. And I think this is one of these moments. And so, you know, that, that one to three year mark, it starts with some very kind of acute symptoms, right? Or some acute issues that begin to show up, like you talk about tired and wired. I mean, uh, we could go out, you and I could go on a road trip, you know, across, across the, the say North America, right. Cause we'll hit Canada as well. And just interview, you know, one to three year, uh, first responders. And I would say probably 80 to 90% of them somewhere in that, that, that timestamp experience this kind of now always on state, right? This tired and wired, can't really turn my brain off, can't settle in. Yes, I'm off my shift. Yes, I'm home. Yes, I'm safe. And yet I can't relax. I can't bring my system down. Uh, and I think that's a good indicator, right? That's a good indicator that that we need to start working things. If we haven't already, like that's a good tune-in point. Would I say that correctly? Absolutely. Yeah. The tired and wired seems to be the first symptom that everybody starts to relate to. And then from there, it extends to waking exhausted. There are, though, others who 
do not have any problems falling asleep, but they could sleep for 10 hours and still wake up absolutely exhausted. So there's those two variations within the first three years. Yeah. And then it could also extend to starting to wake mid-sleep and not be able to get back to sleep, tossing and turning for hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, um, I've, I've experienced that, and that for a long time, and that sucks. I used to have yeah. to, when I was when I was traveling the world, I literally, I couldn't sleep at night. Like I, I literally was basically awake all night long. And as soon as sunrise broke, as soon as I got a glimpse of light, I was able to go to sleep. And what that tells us is when we go to sleep, there's hormones that we need to be at their highest level that help us fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And our hormones that have us in that high energy state, which is also the same hormones that we're always admitting for every stress response, those need to be at their lowest when we need to fall asleep. And what that tells us is that yours were mixed up and they had no idea which end was up. So they were falling, like they were kicking in at the wrong periods of time. And the thing is, is when a first responder starts, they most likely have lived most of their life where they slept at night and were awake during the day. Right. But as soon as they got on a shift schedule, nobody has taught them how to teach their body when to turn on those hormones and when to turn them off. And it's not that hard. Um, It just is about a 15 minute routine of things that you do before you go to bed that will start turning down those energy stress hormones and turning up your sleep hormones. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's an interesting, it's, it's, this is an interesting conversation for me because I think what there's a trap we fall into and, and I, when I say we, it's, it's the, the first responder, it's the spouse. And I think you've, you, you get this, right. Cause we talk about the alter ego, right. What's the name of the thing when it comes up, the short sightedness. And it's much easier to look at things and be like, well, you're being like this, or you're being a jerk, or you're being angry, or you're being crazy, or you're being this way and not look at the cause behind that or what's actually happening behind that you know now today you know there's a lot more conversation around adrenal fatigue and hormone imbalance and all these things that get created but you know back for me that wasn't around that conversation wasn't nobody talked about any of that stuff before so i was just an asshole pardon my language um you know yeah and and it's like no i'm not there you know what i mean and so i think there becomes this trap we fall into where inside we know we're not trying to be a jerk we know we don't want to be frustrated we don't want to be upset we don't want to be anxious we don't want to be these things but outside everyone looking at us sees us a certain way and then that triggers this internal conflict and so you know i i had somebody say to me one time and i really liked this statement which was you know it's not your fault and you need to be responsible for the impact right so so it's like okay i chose a life life is this way it has this impact on me it's not my fault that it's that way, but I need to be responsible for what's going on. And I need to be responsible for myself and begin to take care of myself. And that's where this is huge to me. 
Yeah, and so it's really understanding and knowing the signs. So I know for me, after I figured it out and I learned and I balanced out my hormones and got everything sorted, then I knew certain things that did trigger me. And there's five different stress triggers. One of them is environmental stress triggers, which I come from a background of 25 years of uh, being nutrition training coach to high-end executives and athletes. And so like I understood the nutritional and physical impacts on our stress, but I did, I had no idea what environmental stress triggers were. Hmm. And once I started digging into them, I realized that a lot of things in our environment, so synthetic fragrances are a big one for me. I could never go down soap aisles. Um, I knew shopping malls always exhausted me from the smells. And so once I got better, we had greened our house. We took all of the synthetic fragrances out, which is not hard to do. You replace your toothpaste, you replace the, um, you know, your dish soap and your deodorant and your lotions, shampoo, like you just replace them for one that doesn't have um, the hormone disruptors in them. And, but we ran out of our regular one day. And so my husband had had a, a palm olive that he had just brought back from, from uh, doing something at work. And I dumped it in the water. And instantly, as soon as the smell hit me, my sinuses started running. My head got foggy. I got this pain up the, I used to get really tight between my shoulders and my neck and no amount of physio could ever relieve that pain in my, my neck. And um, I got that pain back and instantly my husband was in the room beside me. I started yelling at him and we both looked at each other and I knew instantly it was the dish soap. So I drained the dish soap, cleared it all off. I got it all off of my hands and I got my toolbox out of things that I knew that instantly decreased my stress response system. And I became a normal person again. It was so eye-opening that when you understand what is happening and you understand why, because when I was going through all of this, I never thought I had a mental health issue. I always was like, there's something wrong in my body. But I also wasn't living the life of a first responder. So it was easier for me to say that it wasn't because of traumas or crisis or things that I was seeing. Whereas when I had these first responders, they don't realize that not everything that's happening to them is because of what they see and do on the job. There are other factors that come into place and affect them from a physical standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the environmental toxins issue, I mean, it's crazy The you know, the, the things that yeah. can impact you that you're not even aware of. And then again, it kind of becomes like those things can, you know, increase over time. Things you may not be sensitive to up front, start adding in several other factors, then they become, then you start to gain those sensitivities to things over time. Um, you know, and, and yeah, it's huge. So you said, you said there were five stress triggers. And so things, the environmental toxins, like things, find things in the environment, you know, simple things, things we don't think about even can be a huge one. Um, you know, and there's the knowns clearly if I'm a firefighter, right. And I'm in a burning building there, you know, I get those, but, but we don't think dish soap or, you know, something along those lines or a candle or, you know, certain fabric softeners or whatever may also trigger some of these things. Uh, water. Yeah. Like 
plastic bottles, yep. all the, the chemicals leach in, but also um, I know that the city that I'm in and most other places, when we take prescriptions, they are peed out and then they go into our water system and our water system does not have the capabilities of filtering those out. So we're often in, whenever we're drinking water um, from our taps, um, it's often we have prescriptions and things in them as mm. well. Like there's so many different things to think of. We got a uh, water filter that filters them out and it's, I saw an instant change in my Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it's just, and yeah, I mean, it's not, it's Morgan and I talk about all the time, the things we're just consistently exposed to that we're just unaware of that then are kind of get way beneath the surface. That's why I wanted to look at this, right? Because what the relevance to this is, is that this will impact us. You know, you said it earlier, it will impact us operationally. If I'm waking up chronically exhausted, I'm not sleeping well at night. I'm not getting to bed at times. My systems are on overload or taxed. Now, all that's going to impair me in the decisions I need to make and the awareness I need to have in seeing the conditions, you know, for what they are. Like there is a massive operational impact to dealing with these things over here on this side of the fence. Yeah, I look at it like a bucket. So we have a bucket that holds our stress. And as we become more and more stressed, so once you become a first responder, you have the shift work. You have just the stress of putting on your uniform and having to mentally prepare for whatever may happen on your shift. Um, and then every 911 call, like you have all these stresses. And as they happen, it could even be the stress of spilling your coffee, running late for work, um, caring for a sick child or an elderly parent. There's so many different factors and your bucket starts to overflow. And once it starts overflowing so much that it becomes where it needs to flow out even faster, the bucket starts getting holes in it. And that's where we get all those burnout symptoms. So if we can start taking out stress, if we can control as many stresses as we can, then it allows us to, to heal those holes, to, to um, fix the holes and to stop the bucket from overflowing so that we have room in the bucket to handle the stresses that are out of your control. Yeah, completely. So, so what else do, what else are we dealing with? What else triggers us? What are the, what are some of the other triggers that we deal with? So we have the nutritional stress. So there's different parts in there. Um, as we have talked about with hormones, there's ways to eat to balance your hormones. But you also have other stresses on the job where you are on a call and you cannot get to your food. You may be hours and hours without eating or you brought food on shift and then you ended up on overtime and didn't mm -hmm. bring enough food for it. Or you can't get to your food so you have to grab something quick um, and you don't have any healthy options. There's so many different nutritional stress triggers um, that affect people as well. As you become more stressed, your digestive system gets thrown off and certain foods start to bother you. You may start getting gas that can clear a room or, or you start avoiding certain foods because your digestive system can't handle them. Um, and it just expands from there, which also, um, 
changes what you're eating and how you're eating and how the food affects you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, nutrition as I've learned <laughs> since I married my wife, uh, who is a nutritionist and, you know, uh, very, lives a very healthy lifestyle. Uh, and I didn't grow up with that context. I didn't, you know, understand nutrition growing up. It wasn't a thing for me. I figured, you know, you just ate what you wanted. Um, and it's a, it's a massive thing. I mean, I now, I now get like, if I decide to go off the rails and eat Chinese food or something, wow, the impact I can feel on my body is crazy. Uh, you know, all the garbage in yeah. it and just, you know, the oils, we went somewhere for dinner that we that you thought would be okay, but like you could, you could almost sense the oils they used that they used to cook and stuff and the impact it had. And, you know, nutrition is one of these things we talk about. It's like the big elephant in the room for people because it's like, yeah, 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 a lot of times. But it is so important to feed your body for what you need it to, kind of the condition you need it to be in, you know, for different points of times. It's so imperative, I think. Yeah. And that being said as well, you will have a lot of first responders who get into um, the job with um, who really were on top of their nutrition and on top of their training, but they were doing it based on a nine to five schedule that when they start trying to continue with the nutrition that's always worked for them on their new shift schedule, crazy shifts, all of the unknowns, they it throws their whole blood sugars off, their hormones off um, because they don't understand how to um, work how to eat around the hormones and how to make sure that they have food prep for every single situation that may pop up on shift. No, I completely agree. I mean, it's, it is, uh, I can remember coming back three o'clock in the morning from, you know, being out on a house fire for three hours and being starving, you know, and, uh, you know, what do you do? You go to the fridge, you look for something to eat or the only thing open Seven Eleven, right? I mean, you're not eating well, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not doing you haven't set yourself up for success there uh, in a lot of ways. And then, you know, sitting in a car for hours on end or being on a call for times like you're you're right. It's not nine to five and you can't have a, you know, three meal a day schedule that you adhere to or some kind of normal pattern. You have to step out your game a little bit and create a, a nutrition pattern that works for you and the lifestyle that you have now. All right, quick pause, because this episode is brought to you in part by Chief Miller Apparel. Listen, pop over to Instagram and check out Chief Miller. You can find him at Chief underscore Miller underscore on Instagram. Thanks for sponsoring us, Chief. We really appreciate it. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, it makes such a difference. And that leads us into the next stress trigger, which is physical. And it's the same thing working out on with your new lifestyle is very different than working out um, before because all of your equipment that you're carrying, I know for officers, their vests, all their equipment is between 25, 35 pounds. Um, and they're carrying that on their person for 10, 12, 15 hours. And they may during their shift as well, you take EMS who is lifting patients um, and then you've got fire and 
I don't know how heavy is fire equipment. It can be. I mean, by the time you put gear and air pack on and all the crap in your pockets and everything else you're carrying, you know, I mean, your average, you're probably running on average 60 to 75 pounds in gear and equipment. And then if you're carrying anything else, uh, dragging hose lines, I mean, it, it's, it, it gets up there. Yeah. So you add that, that extra weight, then you add the physical aspect of it. So if you're rushing to calls, if you're um, with fire, if you're, you know, attending to, to a trauma for EMS, you're physically active doing things. You may be going between a endurance workout to a CrossFit um, workout to endurance to CrossFit all throughout your 10, 12, 24 hour shift. And if you then think that you have to then go and do a high intensity workout and you're not considering what your body was just put through and maybe you weren't able to get the proper nutrition during that shift as well. So you can really get to a state where your body cannot be repairing itself and it gets to the point where your workouts, you struggle to even have motivation to get to them. Um, they stop relieving your stress. You may find that after your workouts, a day or two later, you get angrier. And that is all because your stress management system wasn't able to handle it. So understanding when to do the high-intensity workouts and when to do different type of workouts that will actually um, work out your um, rest and digest system, which nobody ever thinks of working out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this before, you and I, and I think that that's, there's a whole process to this, you know, where one, I need to be physically ready for whatever can happen. So, you know, working out and being physically fit is a crucial part of the job, right? That kind of, like, we, we know Absolutely. that piece and we have to set ourselves up to be, to be a, in a consistent routine and but then we also have to recognize that you know if you go run a work and fire you go you know put out for a while or your you know foot pursuits or anything else you know you got you got some workout in <laughs> you know um and you got to give yourself that credit you know and so you've kind of got to gauge all that um and a lot of different modalities for that and you know we've got a lot of great people that talk about how to do some of that stuff you know but then this this understanding I love the way you put it because this, the, the whole rest and digest, the whole rest and relax, rest and restore capacity, it, it needs to be treated like a workout as well. And if you actually look at it from a scientific point of view, you have two different streams in your nervous system. One that um, controls your stress response system and one that controls your rest and digest systems. And if you are, your nerves are just like a muscle. When you're working them, um, you, you strengthen them, their reactive time, like your biceps. If you're always working your biceps, they get stronger, they get bigger, the reactive time increases. The same is for your nerves. So if you are working them, they react quicker. If you are not working them, they become weaker, they become slower. So if we are always during our shift and then that extends into our personal life as well, working our stress response system, then our rest and digest gets lazy. 
And that is where new studies are coming out where sleep apnea kicks in because when you're sleeping, your rest and digest system is actually what is supposed to be controlling your breathing. But if you're breathing from your stress response system, then you're not getting into the proper breaths and the proper part that your body needs to get into that really good deep sleep. And you start getting into rest and digest less. You're not able to turn it on as fast. And it all extends. So if you look at it from a a really scientific point of view, there's certain ways that you should be working it in order for it to be strong and turn on. Yeah, I think there's this idea that, you know, well, (laughs) come from my world, you know, sleep's a crutch, right? That's the old food and sleep crutches. You don't need them. Uh, You know, it was was the idea around a lot of that stuff. But you're right. There has been so much now scientific evidence and research that that demonstrates what occurs during sleep and how critical it is that it's not just, you know, oh, you're getting rest. That's that really is. That's a very small part of what's actually happening during. I mean, even down to brain cooling, uh, you know, all these things that occur when you are in a good sleep cycle uh, are paramount to your ability to function at the level you need to function the next day, right? In the, in the next moments. Yeah. And it just, it all adds up like all of this stress of being in your stress response and not in your rest and digest just takes. Yeah. It's a cumulative, it's a cumulative issue. You know, it is a, it is not an isolated, okay, I had a stressful day and it's over kind of deal or, oh, I didn't sleep well last night and it's over kind of deal. Like it is a, it is a cumulative process. It, It adds up and it will stack up on you over time. You know, it's not something you can just kind of wash off as a single thing. You know, this, this is all, this all it's, you're putting notches in the bed. It's, I mean, it is truly stacking up on you each and every time. And it will, and that's where it's this, and it's a, not only a cumulative effect, it's a compounding effect. So it will begin to get worse and worse and worse over time. Um, You know, it's not just going to be this way. Right. I, I don't want to hear guys say, you know, well, it's just that's how it is. No, it's how you're choosing it to be. and <laughs> It will continue to get worse. Exactly. And you do hear as well from first responders where when they do get to that point where they are over the edge, where they are needing to get help. And sometimes they're confused because they think that the trauma that put them over the edge was not even close to some of the other traumas that they've experienced in their career. Yeah. But quite, yeah. And that's it. It's just that their stress management system is able to handle less and less, and it does not matter. And that's what gets us to the next um, trigger is mindset. And it does not matter if the stress is coming from physical, um, mental, environmental yep. mindset, yeah, it doesn't matter where it's coming from. They all hit your stress management system. So with the mindset stress, that could be, it's any perceived mm-hmm. stress. So you could have two officers that are going to a call. One may have had an experience in their past with that situation that made them feel it's stressful. 
It could even be something where it is a domestic. And maybe that one officer is struggling at home with their relationship. It may be stressful for them. Whereas the other officer is not at that point in their life and they have a good relationship and that call is not stressful to them. It's perceived stress. And so it really does affect um, you based on how you're perceiving the stress. So when you're going home and home is not a relaxing place for you, then that is stressing your stress management system. Yeah, I always say stress is as unique as a fingerprint. I mean, it is it yes. is truly what is one person's stress has can have zero effect on the other. Um, you know, and it's it is one hundred percent how we perceive the environment at hand and the the external factors that surround us, right? So if I'm not if I'm not setting myself up to recover, to transition from different points to different points over the course of my day or call to call or work to home or whatever it is, then I'm carrying those that, you know, I call it that cognitive load. You're carrying that cognitive load, you know, that emotional load, that physical load into the next point. I mean, if you think about it, uh, last week we had Mark Briggs on, um, and you know, he's talking about this incident as a law enforcement officer ran, I mean, ended up kind of in this full on scuffle with this kid who was high on PCP and a couple other things, you know, eight minute fight with him and his partner who are in great shape guys. I mean, these are, you know, they're not out of shape officers in eight minutes, exhaust them right in full gear and equipment. And if you think about that, right, what would you would carry that into the next call and the next call, you'd be physically exhausted for a period of time. It's no different mentally or emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then internally, you know, physically, you know, we talk about illnesses and injuries, you know, I know you talk about that as another point of trigger, uh, you know, the cumulative effect of just simple things, you know, being, getting the sniffles, uh, not feeling well or a minor injury that becomes nagging over time, that that's also uh, a key stress trigger, putting the body at work. Yeah. And you'll find too, that officers who were working out and then they start getting those nagging injuries and it starts taking them out of their workouts, but then all of the other symptoms start accumulating as well with it. Um, I do know of someone as well who was on a training exercise and tore his ACL and a month later had pneumonia because when your stress management system is taxed, it all accumulates. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say too, like this weekend, this past weekend where we live is um, it was a huge festival that brings in tons of tourists from out of town and they needed all of their police manpower. So here we do, uh, the officers do seven, 10 hour shifts in a row, and then they have four or five days off. So in the middle of that block and shifts, they had to take all of the officers, they had to move a lot of them downtown for the activities to be there. So the services were short staffed. So they moved every single officer to six to six. So my husband was 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And there were 11 shootings, uh, one at the end of my husband's shift. So that ended up into overtime. He had lots of overtime in his last block of shifts. And the thing though, is we knew that this festival was coming. We, he was already prepped. He knew everything to do beforehand to make sure that he was ready for this block of shifts. 
He went into it um, with the overtime, with everything. We had everything um, that we knew. We had all of our tools out of the toolbox to make sure that he could handle all of that extra stress, the extra hours, the lack of sleep. There was once he got, I think, three hours sleep before going into another 12-hour shift. And then at the end of that block of shifts on his first day off, he had court. So... <laughs> but the thing is, is today's is three, I'd is say God bless dead. America, but you're Canadian. So God bless Canada. I know. Right? Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so, for all the work. I know. But the thing is, is that I know that a lot of his coworkers were really struggling and they're really like upset and angry. But we went into this mode of, okay, this happens every year. This is what happens on this weekend every single year. And we planned and prepped and organized. And he's on his, he had court yesterday. And we made sure that his first two days off, we had everything set that he was recovered. And today he's been fine yeah. with the kids. He's had the kids full time. He woke up, no problems, on his own at 7 a.m. with the kids and got them ready because today was my work day because the last eight days I was Full-time with staff, the kids right. pretty much 24-7. Yeah. yeah. So we switch off and he is now not recovering or he does not need to spend his next block of shifts recovering. He was actually fine after his first day off. Yeah. So that's pretty incredible because for the majority of the world, that would be like, I need to go sleep for four days now. I need to go tuck away. I need to shut down. Like the recovery time it takes, if I'm not maintaining, if I'm not paying attention to this, if I'm not eating well, feeding my body well, I mean, that's that's the thing for as hard as I am working externally, my systems internally are driving probably even harder because they're combating everything at once. The, you know, the five things we talk about, right? The, the mental stress, the nutrition, the physical, the illness, injury, the emotional, the, the environmental toxins, the emotional things going on. My internal systems are dealing with that all simultaneously. And if I'm not maintaining something or feeding that or taking care of that, yeah, I'm, that's where at the end of that shift, I'm crashing for days on end. Yeah. And no one's perfect all the time. Oh, no. Situations come up without Absolutely. you knowing it. Yeah. But we knew that this one was happening. So we planned, we prepped, we were ready. Yeah. So um, let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about some of the yeah. actions to take, right? So in the past, you and I have talked about, you know, like the, the workout for uh, uh, rest and digest, uh, turning on uh, the vagal nerve, the vagus nerve, right? Re, retraining the body to understand when it can be relaxed, when it's safe, when it can kind of shut down, when it can rest and restore, uh, you know, and some of that stuff. I thought, that was, you know, I'd like to talk about that for a minute because I think that's a very practical do it today, you know, kind of do it now deal that you talk about. Yeah. So there's two things that I teach everyone when they first go into my program, and it is how to instantly get yourself out of that fight or flight state. So the first one is to chug 500 milliliters of water. Which is, and, which is what, which is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 16 ounces. <laughs> 16, okay. <laughs> 16 sorry. Ounces. My math isn't, <laughs> I failed math. So um. Yeah. 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 Ounces. We have to do all the time here. So yeah, 16 ounces. Okay. So chug 16 ounces of water at once. Now, the reason is, is when you are in a stressed state, your diet, your 
body turns off the systems that you do not need to run from a lion, mm. to, be, mm -hmm. to be out of that crisis situation. And you do not need to sit and eat a full meal. Right. So as soon as you put 500 milliliters, 16 ounces of water into your system, your body is like, oh, you're eating or you're putting food in me. That instantly tells your body that the, the stress is over. And it will start physically from the inside, start shutting down these stress systems and turning on the um, rest and digest systems. Okay. I like so that. So that's not always ideal. I mean, you can't be always grabbing a bottle of water in every situation when you're in traumas and different things. So the other one that you can use anytime, anywhere is breathing. Yes. And... Um, there's so many different types of breathing and different scenarios that I just try to keep it really, really simple where you make sure that you're breathing in through your left nostril at least because your left nostril is there is the vagus nerve, the one that is in charge of your rest and digest system is right um, beside your left sinus cavity. And as you're breathing in, you actually um, touch it a little bit. Hmm. And it starts to stimulate it to actually turn on your rest and digest system. So when you're on your way to a call, breathe really, really slow. Try for seven seconds in through your nose. And when you're starting, you can go out of your mouth. But if you can eventually teach yourself to pause for five seconds and breathe out for seven seconds, then you can get yourself into that rest and digest state more frequent. So the more that you do it, like we talked about, it's a workout. Mm -hmm. So the more that you do it, the stronger your rest and digest system becomes, the faster it starts to react. So if you start training it more often, there's different cues you can give yourself. One, every 911 call, you do it. Um, when you're on your way to the call, when you're walking, um, if you're an officer, walking up to the doorstep. So that way you can be in it when you're there. As soon as the crisis is over, when you're in the middle of a crisis, you can do this. And train it off as well. So do it before you go to sleep. Do it as soon as you wake up. Have different cues. Start with one and slowly build another one into your day as you get used to one of them. But train that vagus nerve. Train it to... Um, become stronger, to start reacting faster, and to kick in to keep you out of that stress state more frequently. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that happen, you know, and I used to, I had kind of a rule of thumb that I had to, you know, two breaths before I keyed the mic and said anything yeah. on the radio, right? Um, and that was all my always my rule. Uh, so, you know, because I never wanted to sound like an idiot on the radio was primarily it, you know, but I didn't know what I was doing at the time for as far as like actually putting myself into a better condition, because when you can trigger the, the vagal nerve, when you do that, you're actually internally system wise, you know, I talk about your cognitive aperture and your ability to kind of see everything clearly, all right, and use all your facilities that you need in that moment, because stress is, you know, it's closing it down. It's like, it's tightening and tightening and tightening and closing that aperture more and more and more. And that breath work, right. And, and balancing your CNS is kind of a gateway 
to better decision making because you're now seeing things more clearly in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, too, you find people who struggle to um, make that sandwich or fill out that report when they are when you are in a so when you talk about what is next in in one of your episodes, you talk about how when you are in a crisis moment, Mm -hmm. you think about what is the one priority you need to do and you do that. And then when you're next, you're like, okay, what is next? Mm -hmm. It's one at a time. It's quick. And you can really function in that because that's your stress system kicked in. Mm -hmm. But making that sandwich, filling out the report, you need to think of that full picture and your stress system still turned on. So pausing and breathing, and it will not fix the situation right away because your vagus nerve is, is weak and it's slow to react. So you need to, it's just like a workout. You need to be consistent and you need to, um, like, consistent, stay on top of it and be focused with it. And it will start kicking in more that once you're done the crisis situation and you're filling out that report, you can then breathe first and switch your systems on your own. You teach your body to switch into that forward thinking, large picture thinking, and then you can fill out your report better, make that sandwich, play that game or read that book with your child. Yeah, because when you look at it primally, right, internally, what the body's registering is really, it's trying to answer one question. And the question is, am yep. I safe? Right? And and if the if you are still in a triggered spot, the answer is always going to be no. Even if you're sitting there writing a report, you know, in the back of the police station or in the basement with all the doors locked and everybody's got a gun, you know, it's like, and everybody's friendly. It's like, you know, if your internal mechanisms are still registering, you're not safe. You haven't, you don't have the capacity to actually recall the day, recall the incident, review the details, create the right report, lay everything out because you're still in a heightened spot. And like you said, I totally can vouch for the fact that if you are not training that your nervous system to work just as well as your response system, right? Your crisis system, if you will, right? Your stress-based system. If you're not training those to work equally in ebb and flow, then you always have that problem registering that question, answering that question, am I safe or not, right? Uh it's, it's a very interesting dynamic that happens at a very primal level. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so different when you are a first responder and you are in this heightened state so often that, and you don't understand about working it. I didn't yeah. until I dug into this and I have a 25 year career as a personal trainer, nutrition and mindset coach, like, and I didn't know about that. They didn't, it's, this isn't what I was taught because as you were saying, it's all newer. We didn't know this when you were um, back in your career. Yeah. And when I had my first burnout, none of this research was out there. Yeah. Yeah. The, Go ahead. The first school started in 1992 mm-hmm. to teach this. And there was one in Canada and one in the United States from there people had to, it was all learning the whole body that eventually it took a while for people to start understanding, um, to, to start specializing in hormones and stress and nervous systems, a response to stress. And then from there, they started research studies, which can take 10 plus years that there are new studies coming out every single day now. 
um, on how we can be strengthening and improving our stress management systems that weren't around last year or three years ago. Yeah. If you're not on top of it today, I mean, you're missing something. I always, you know, I like to say I was, I was doing mindset and biofeedback stuff before it was cool. Uh, you know, people didn't want to come see me because I was going to wire them up and put them through all kinds of stuff. And you know, they were just, and it wasn't the thing you did, right? It wasn't what you gave attention to. I gave it, you gave attention to your tactics or your skill set or, you know, whatever the baseline was, you know, performance requirements, if you will, you know, that were out there and you didn't give attention to the underpinning things, the things going on beneath the surface that were actually causing a disconnect in your tactical environment, in your application of skills, in your performance on the job. Uh, and so the fact that, you know, we now know what we know and there's still more to come, you know, I'm confident every day somebody's doing research and I love it. I'm a geek when it comes to that. I love to dive in and dissect all this stuff because it's, here's what's interesting to me and, and tell me what your thoughts are here. The more we learn, the simpler it actually gets to counteract some of this stuff, in my opinion. Yes, yes, definitely. And yeah, having these tools in your toolbox can get you from surviving into thriving yeah. in your career. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and uh, like your like the example of your husband, being able to go through a, a heavy workload for an extended period of time, deal with what he needed to deal with, do something he probably didn't want to do, go to court, right? Never any fun to sit and deal with that. Never. Exactly. But then wake up in the morning and be dad, right? Doesn't need to be a police officer anymore. Yeah. He can wake up and be dad and be husband and support you. And, and I'm sure that that actually feed makes him feel good that he's capable of that. Uh, you know, that's the under, that's the flip side to it. We don't always talk about. It's like, if I'm, it's that compounding effect. If I'm stressed and maxed and incapable and exhausted, then I can't even be who I want to be for my family, which then triggers a whole nother slew of things, right? That go on. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. The, the divorce rates oh. and everything. I mean, if we were all able to, I know I am very lucky that my husband is loving and understandable that he put up with me when I was in my burnout state. Yeah. I, I am, I do. I look back at that and think of how lucky I am that he's still with me. Um, and he put up with me. And even in that too, there were some times as well in there because he was, had the added stress of dealing with me that that also made it so near the end of some of his blocks of shifts, he was shorter with the kids mm -hmm. and he was shorter with me. And it just becomes this revolving circle because I speak as well with um, spouses of first responders and some of them are struggling as well because we are often at home carrying the load at home. We wouldn't change it for the world, but it's not always easy. Right. And then there's the guilt, the guilt of, I know when my husband is stuck on overtime, I'm getting apologies and I'm like, it's not your fault. This is out of your control. Um, you're, you're doing what you're doing to be helping people and saving people. And we have to keep that, remembering that, that when it does throw off our schedule, we just figure it out. Yeah. And here's the thing. When you do this stuff, when you actually take care of the internal mechanisms, when you, simple things, when you start practicing your breathing first thing in the morning, when you wake up, lay in bed for two minutes and breathe. When you 
do it in your car on your way to work, when you do it before you talk on the radio, when you do it at transition points, when you do it, you know, and when you just start to do these little things and, you know, you clear the call and there was a moderate, uh, you know, or just even a moderate level of stress. You go to the water bottle, you chug 16 ounces of water, helps trigger the systems. You breathe a little bit. All right. So you're training the systems to reset and, you know, and you begin to get a new line of awareness on things. And then what happens is like, I, here's what I hear. And this is what I feel like we're, I, you know, Morgan and I have struggled over the years with the stuff that I've, you know, had to shed and come across and deal with same, same ways. God bless her for tolerating my ass uh, and, and still being here, uh, you know, but then you become a team, right? And it, and, and, yeah. it, and that, that's life. Right. I mean, it, it, cause that's what you really, I can say, Hey, I'm really sorry. I'm stuck on shift. And you can say, okay, it's fine. I got your back because you're a team, you're back and forth. And you know that he's in a condition and taking care of himself in a way that when he comes off and it's time to make that switch, that he's capable of making that switch. And so there's so much that goes into this. I think if, if I can impart anything to the community, you know, from years of being, well, an asshole and not paying attention to this stuff and, and really succumbing to the conditions that I operated in for an extended period of time, the impact it creates not only in work and performance, but in life and relationship and everything else, it's, you know, the, it's like you sit back and go, okay, well, that was stupid, simple. Why didn't I do that 20 years ago? And not from a preview standpoint, but that's what, you, you know, it, it starts one to three years. If you're an early, you know, we got a lot of people across now 12 countries that are listening to this podcast that are in that five year or less spot in their career. We're not preaching at you. We're trying to share what you do today that, that, that keeps you at the top of your game in all aspects of your life. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that that is, um, it's just what well, you gotta, you gotta live that way. You now have the knowledge, you know, now you've got to take these things on. So well, Andy, as we wrap up, anything else that you've got any other little quick tips and tricks that, uh, you want to lay down on the audience for any, for anybody? I guess I can give one really quick nutritional yeah, thing go. is just super yeah. fast is that, um, always have something on you because you cannot always get somewhere. It has to be something that will not melt, um, that can handle freezing and hot weather and has good fats and a protein in it. So um, you actually may be able to help me because I know that your wife is really, this is like her thing. It is but, her thing. Um, yeah. So my biggest thing for me uh, that, that my husband takes is nuts and a little bit of dried fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, and he always has it. He has some tucked in his vest, tucked in his pants. And this past weekend that saved him. There were times where he was, um, he was manning somebody who had been shot to make sure that nobody came back to the hospital to finish the job. I'm sorry. I shouldn't, that wasn't nice to laugh. Um, but uh it's okay we're all in the community so don't don't worry I know. about it so basically he couldn't leave and go and eat so he made sure he had a smoothie he chugged it before he went in because he knew that he wouldn't and he had 
in his pants and in his vest, stuffed some food so that he was going to be okay. Because whenever he tells me that he has overtime, I'm like, do you have enough food? Do you have something for this situation? Because if not, I will hop on to Uber Eats. I'm not sure if you have Uber Eats yeah, there. Yeah, we do. I will hop on Uber Eats and I will send him something to wherever he is. Yeah. Yeah. Because a candy bar out on the machine ain't going to cut it. Is not going to cut Not it at all. Yeah. It's going to mess him up. It's going to ruin his recovery time. It's not going to help. But uh, there's times too where he's been on doing reports. So he's done, but there's like another hour or so of reports that if he doesn't have anything, I think, okay, you and your partner, he'll say he does. I'm like, does your partner? No. Okay. Uber eats them something. Like send them something so they will be okay to get through this report and get home safely. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just, since we walked into it, I'll do a shameless plug for one of our sponsors, you know, and Element yes. Meals, right? I mean, that's, uh, but that's also partly why we partnered with them. Uh, I don't take sponsors on that. I don't believe in, and you know, what a, it's a great source, right? So Element Meals, freeze dried food in a bag. It's 89% organic, all farm raised, all taken care of, uh, all nutrient dense, like some of the highest nutrient dense food you can get because it's flash frozen within the first six hours. Uh, I've got a chance to tour the facility and see how this production works. I didn't realize freeze dried food was such a cool thing. Um, but it's literally, you know, one cup of hot water in the bag, 12 minutes, you have an entirely healthy meal to eat, uh, freeze dried. So it can sit in the car for a year. Uh, no big deal, right? Always available, always, uh, spot on. Uh, it is really, I, it's, it was a game changer for me. Cause I hate it for breakfast and lunch was a game changer for me because I hated getting up, cooking breakfast. Lunches are awful because I'm always busy. I'm in the middle of things. I don't have time to do anything. You know, if you're out and about, it's like a seven second count on the hot water spigot at 7-Eleven or, you know, at the coffee station. Uh, seven seconds, seal the bag, 12 minutes. You have an amazingly healthy meal to eat. Uh, on the go, high quality food. It's rad. It's a game changer for me. It's been a game changer for a lot of people. But things like that, um, and especially... Uh, those types of meals that are done well uh, are, to me, the right things to have if you're choosing to take on this kind of life. Uh, it's kind of a must. It's a must have, right? Because if you're stuck out somewhere, like we've talked about it in the past, you know, if I'm out on the fire line here in California, wildfires out for an extended period of time, if I'm stuck, you know, in the middle of freaking nowhere, you can even eat it dry, you know, cold water a little bit longer time, it'll still rehydrate. Uh, high quality stuff. And, but those are the things, fruits, you know, dried fruit, nuts. Absolutely. I mean, those are all the things that Morgan makes me pack out, you know, in a great way. And I appreciate, you know, the things that I've learned over time that you've got to be able to feed your body, got to be able to feed the system. Yeah. And that's key. And having that option, because I know with the nuts, it's, there's so many nut allergies yes. and stuff that it's still when you still, it's questionable that having another option that won't freeze won't melt, yeah. you know, for every yeah, won't go bad. Doesn't, yeah. yeah, that you can have in your duty bag or in the ambulance or, you know, even have a stash of them in the fire totally. truck and when you're out. And like you said, with water, you could have one of those um, that plugs into the uh, the lighter, yep. cigarette uh, lighter. Little heater. In, yeah. Yeah. That could, that can boil water. You can get one of those and have that in your ambulance or in your car, in the fire truck, just for an emergency situation where 
you guys need to Yeah, use. I mean, I've done it with a lot of things. There's there's just, there's so many versatile ways to it. And comparatively on the market, when you look at some of the other freeze-dried food that's out there for like hiking and other things that are the more popular brands out there that have kind of embedded in all the stores, there's such junk. I mean, I think that's the thing. If I've learned anything from Morgan, I read labels now and I don't read nutrition facts. I read ingredients, right? Uh, you yes. know, and so who cares what the nutrition bullshit is they put on there? I want to see what's actually in my food. And, uh, you know, and so that's, those are the things I pay attention to now uh, when I'm doing anything uh, is I look at that stuff, I pay attention to it. And that's why we're pretty selective about what we do. And, you know, Morgan now becoming, you know, civilized cave mom, uh, you know, talking to an audience about, you know, 250,000 people. I mean, she just did a whole episode on water and water consumption. Uh, and so you, I'm sure you and yeah. I could talk for another hour about just water. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's huge. The right nutrition, right amount of water for you. Uh, you know, she always says half your body weight in ounces, minimum, like minimum, do nothing, sit on the couch all day long threshold. If you're out and active, step it up from there. You talked one time about putting Himalayan salt like a cube of Himalayan yes. salt. Let's let's talk about that real quick. And then we're going to wrap up the show because I think that was interesting. And I told Morgan about it. She was like, oh, I didn't realize that. So give me that little trick. Yeah. So Himalayan salt has 80 some odd different um, minerals in it. And your adrenals, which manage your stress management system, require 23 or 26 of those minerals in order to um, function optimally. And most of those minerals, we struggle to get from our food. We may get some of them some days, but not consistently on a daily basis. So if you start your first water bottle every single day with um, one rock, and they're tiny, like oh, I was going to use millimeters. Um, I don't know that versus two and a half centimeters of an inch, like a tiny, tiny. We're not talking about a lot. We're just talking yeah. about kind of a small. Yeah. One rock into your water bottle. Um, you can put it at night. I tend to put my water bottle on my, uh, the kitchen counter because I walk right into the kitchen every morning. Um, first thing, my husband keeps it beside his bed, but before he goes to bed, he drops one rock in, fills his water bottle and has it there. And we each chug one 24 ounce water bottle when we wake up. And that makes sure that any of the water we lost during the day um, is or during our sleep is replenished. But also um, the, the minerals, they um, help to support your stress management system. So just that alone, do it for a few weeks. And in a few weeks, you will definitely notice a difference in your stress management system. You may get that pain in your low back when you have a stress because that's where your adrenals are. They're just located just above your kidneys. And when you have that, you'll notice that some of that pain starts going away. Okay. Wow. I'm I'm going to get on that. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to send me a link or a picture of whatever you use so I make sure I'm getting the right stuff. I'm going to put that up in the show notes for the shows because that's an interesting, uh, easy and interesting thing. Like that's my next experiment. I want to I want to test that and see how, what that does for me. I know that, uh, there's a lot of different stuff out there, but I'm, I'm curious. So I'll need you to get me to, need you get you to send me that, uh, what you, what you have. So I know that I'm getting the right thing. Uh, and I'll put okay. it up. Yeah. I'll put it up Will on the do. show notes here. 
uh, for everybody else to, to take on. So listen, Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate this conversation. Uh, I, just a wealth of knowledge uh, and amazing insights. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I loved it the first time we tried to do it and then just audio didn't turn out great and it was just as good this time, if not better. So I really appreciate you uh, coming back on and getting this thing done. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being patient with all the tech. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Glad we did and uh, just so you know, you can find Andy on 911lifestyle.com. She does some amazing coaching programs and some amazing, amazing work with uh, just anybody out of the law enforcement, fire service community. Uh, great background, great experience. I know that if you start working with her, the first thing she's going to make you do is drink water. Uh, and so you better be ready for it. <laughs> so, uh, Andy, I will put up all the links to your Instagram feeds, your Facebook stuff, everything within the show notes. Hopefully the audience will get out, follow you, connect with you, watch what you're doing. You've got some great articles out there. Uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. appreciate your contribution to the community. Thank you so much. And same for you. I mean, I've learned a lot from, uh, you as well. Well, we're all out there just trying to, in my, in my saying, you know, serve those who, who still serve. So, uh, greatly appreciate it. And that'll take today's show. All right. That wraps up our show for today. Thanks so much again for giving me your time and attention. I greatly appreciate it. Listen, if you got something from today's episode, if you heard one little piece that can benefit you or benefit those around you, do me a favor, do yourself a favor, do somebody else a favor and share this episode out. Introduce them to Mindset Radio. Bring them into the fold, get them listening, get them learning and get them performing at a whole new level. Don't forget, swing by and check us out. You can follow us on Instagram at Mindset Radio. I'm personally at Mindset 06 Actual. If you want to follow me, head on over to Facebook, facebook.com backslash Mindset Radio and hop into our Mindset Radio group. We're going to start having a little bit more deeper conversation, some behind-the-scenes stuff, some extra talks while we're there, and really enjoy it. Last but not least, two quick requests. Subscribe to the podcast and do me a favor. Rate and review us. Now, see, the review part is pretty important because people look through, right? People want to look and see whether or not this is worth listening to. If you think it is, do me a favor, write us a note. So listen, we're out for this Monday. We're back Wednesday with a phenomenal guest, Mike Trot. It's going to be a good episode. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're listening. Be safe out there. Thanks again.